Good evening. Hello, hello. Welcome once again to another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. I am KG. Fellas, how are you? Doing okay today. I've spent more time this this summer in the country than I have since I was back in high school. Is it, and that's by choice? Yes. When I say I'm going on a vacation and I'm gone, I, I'm getting away from the from the from the from the rut and the rat race and whatever that is going on in the city. Yeah, that's where I go to get solitude. Okay, that's good. Doc, how are you? The world traveler. How Doing are you? well. Trying to get back acclimated to being in the states and catch up on some of the things in the office. But so far, so good. But it's time to get back on the plane and things working in the other direction from a media perspective I'll be down in Birmingham via Atlanta to cover the Splat Football Media Day as we start out on the HBCU circuit for the media days this summer and just real quick um, it's summer time summer league so just get the basketball stuff out of the way then we get into football discussion I have not watched. This shows you how times have changed as the older I've gotten. When I was younger, I used to live for summer league basketball on TV when it was on not as much as it is now. Now I don't even care. But uh, I watched the last so six, seven minutes of the Rockets-Warriors summer league game today, this afternoon. The game finished a few minutes ago. The Rockets won the game 87-81. Yeah, I scored the Warriors uh, 35-14 in the fourth quarter to approve the 2-0 in NBA Summer League action in Las Vegas. Um, if things go well personally next year, I'll, I may be there with another buddy of mine. We're talking about getting credentials for it, so we'll see about that. That'll be the only way that I'd have more interest in Summer League is if I'm there in person watching it because I'm not going to sit at home watch it on TV like uh, diehard fans are because if you're media, you're already there. Well, I'm not there. Been time to take care of my mom, so that's more important than watching some league ball from personally. But on a lesser gotcha. note, on a lesser note, uh, local product U of H player Rob Gray saw his first action. Didn't play in the first uh, Rockets summer league game a few days, I think Friday. He played today. This is an un, un- Rob like stat line. It shows you how things are different in the NBA. Rob Gray played ten minutes. Did not take one shot. Did not, get, did not get a rebound, had one assist. That's it. That's the stat line. Ten minutes, no field goals, no rebounds, one assist, no steals, no blocks, no turnovers, no fouls, no points. Thoughts on that? <laughs> Dude, I got nothing. I got nothing. Well, I think it it speaks to the transition of going from uh, college to NCAA, even in Division I, a high-caliber player, um, you just go into a professional level. So um, even though you're playing with other first-year players going to the NBA, you also have some second- and third-year players um, that are continuing to play that have gotten experience of playing at the professional level. Well, now it's obviously your career. Uh, at least in the short term. And so, um, one, coaches are going to be expecting you to do different things. They're going to be looking at you at different roles for the opportunity you had maybe to be uh, the score you were in college is different. Uh, level of defense to some degree is a bit more competitive because uh, you're playing against the best players in regards to at least the best players that are first, second, third year players in the summer league versus um, you playing against, in some cases, freshmen while you're a senior at the college level. So I think it's an indication of taking the next step. And what's even more thought-provoking is is that uh, these are just those basic level players you're not even talking about all-star players uh, in some cases with LeBron moving to L.A., which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Some people would argue the best players in the league. Uh, You're talking about the gap becoming even bigger. So it's amazing the testament of letting you know just how high the caliber of basketball is at the professional level 
even if some of us may have, not me for that playing, but some people may think that the quality of play is not as good as it has been in the past, it still lets you know in a lot of ways just how high of a level it is being played at. And let me add a couple of things, then we'll jump into LeBron to the Lakers. Uh, rookie Trayvon Duvall, who played well in Rockets' first game, uh, he played 17 minutes today versus the Warriors, but went 0 for 8. And the shooting is was his problem at Duke. His, at his one year at Duke, was shooting was his big concern. But he did have three rebounds, two assists, but he also had five turnovers in those 17 minutes. So that wasn't good. Uh, Markel Brown was also was 0 for 6. So guard play from the bench, three guys combined for 0 for 14 and eight turnovers. So. Starting backcourt, R.J. Hunter scored 24 points, and Rockets second-round pick DeAnthony Melton scored 17 points. Both of them shot the ball well. R.J. was 8 for 14 and made 5 of 11 threes. DeAnthony Melton was 6 for 12 and made 2 of 5 threes. So uh, they shot the ball much better and looked much more comfortable than their teammates did. But it's, it's summer league. We'll see how it goes. Um, I know Thursday media was invited to the minicamp. Had a chance to talk to some of the players, including Rob Gray, Daniel House, you know, former U of H player, and also Aggie. House scored 10 points today. He mentioned Thursday that, um, you know, he had a taste, a little taste of uh, NBA action, playing with the Suns for roughly 24 games this past season. Uh, the Suns let him go, so he's with the Rockets in, in uh, minicamp. So House wants to get back in the league, and he hopes that, you know, if possible, he could fill that role that uh, Trevor Reza uh, has left since Trevor agreed and signed with the Phoenix Suns for $15 million for one season. So uh, the Rockets still have a that small four spot to fill. Have, you know, Luke Bamute is, is still unsigned. There's talk about... Um, Oklahoma City buying out Carmelo Anthony's contract and Carmelo's looking at either the Lakers or the Rockets. The Rockets have re-signed and announced their re-signings of Chris Paul and Gerald Green and signed 6'6 guard Michael Carter-Williams who can't shoot either. But um, he was good <laughs> his rookie year. Michael Carter-Williams is a 25% three-point shooter. But he's a good defender, long arms, He's an all-around talent. He's just got to work on his outside shot, clearly, because that's the big key in the Rockets' offense, is spacing and having the ability to knock down three-pointers. So Rockets still have some holes to fill. It's not, this is July 8th. So with LeBron going to the Lakers, with the Warriors getting DeMarcus Cousins to commit to a one-year, $5 million deal. Media, which has surprised me, I've heard more and more media Prime as the season is already over and they handed the Warriors a trophy and you know that defeatist attitude and the little crybaby attitude you know concerns me coming from the media because fans are gonna you know fans are fans but when media is talking about the Warriors the league is is over and league is ruined the Warriors are ruining the NBA and, and shame on Adam Silver for letting this happen and all this gloom and doom nonsense coming from folks in media and some of them are colleagues of mine, which really surprised me that they think this way. But I, this, I have no problem with what the Warriors are doing, have done. It's not their fault that other teams have mismanaged. It's not their fault that the Warriors <laughs> have created a great culture where a, a talent like DeMarcus Cousins, who's coming off an injury, a major injury, in the, an Achilles tendon injury. So money wasn't there for him. So he had a chance to go to the defending champions for $5 million. He doesn't, you know, it's not like he... He's uh, getting chicken feed, so five million nothing to sneeze at. Sure, he'd get a hell of a lot more if he were healthy and 100%. So it's up to him to, to play well this year whenever he's back on the court because it may not be until January or February when he's 100%. So if he plays well and then be back on the market in the summer and get a bigger contract from somebody else. So the Warriors have established that winning culture where a talent like DeMarcus Boogie Cousins wants to go. Good for him. Good for them, too. The rest of y'all, I could say, uh, with UConn in women's basketball and with uh, other college football teams, Alabama, step up your game. 
It's, it's, it's not their fault they're champions. It's not their fault they're better than y'all. If you want to you want to be on that level, get to that level. Thoughts? I wholeheartedly agree. I, I'm, I'm, this is just a matter of circumstances in a lot of ways. You have an all-star player that gets hurt late in the season last year. Uh, he was coming towards – uh, at the end of a contract, so he's looking for a big payday, and so obviously a lot of teams uh, were not willing to commit to him because they didn't know, you know, the extent of the injury and how he's going to come back. You know, what level his work ethic would be, which shouldn't be a huge question because you can tell that he certainly is serious about that. And he is going to a team that, in a lot of ways, doesn't need him, which means he doesn't have to be worried about being rushed back. Uh, then he's going to also play for a high-caliber team, which means he's going to get the chance to really show his skills and show his value uh, so he can put himself in a position to get a significant contract uh, in regards more to the level that you would think an all-star player like uh, each should be able to get. So I think that's the, the framing that you look at it there. As you're saying, it's weird to experience so many parts of the media uh, really crying for mo- for multiple levels. It also tells you in some ways just how much in society we do not necessarily really value the individual contractors uh, or entrepreneurs in themselves. We talk about it a lot and we say it's a good thing, but people are really caught up in thinking that only management has the ability to um, get things done. So we lean towards that direction in terms of thinking about the NBA and that uh, the league is going in the wrong direction. But it's total opposite of everything that you're hearing uh, when you look at the actual numbers. Television ratings are up, high as they're being. The financial stability of the league is up. Um, uh, ratings are up. Interest is up. Uh, people are talking about basketball all season long. This was the NFL just five years ago. Everybody was just talking about how big the NFL was because they had people talking about their season all year long. And now the ties have changed in a lot of ways in the NBA. But for whatever reason, even though we have all these numbers that suggest that, people are still questioning about the league. So I think in some ways it's just that the fact the players in the NBA control a lot more of their destiny and people are not used to seeing that, and they don't necessarily like it. And the second thing is, I think it's just, it's just in a lot of ways, this lazy journalism. It's this uh, way that people can easily gen up conversation uh, because people are, in a lot of ways, running out of things to say, unfortunately, because they don't really want to do the homework and dig into it like we like to believe we do on the podcast here to give you a different framework of, uh, of the discussion, the dialogue, such you can see things a little differently in terms of why the NBA seems to be doing things really well. I mean, it's a world sport, continues to grow. And so I think they're, they're really doing, and when I say they're, I'm talking about the NBA management teams at the highest level. Commissioner Silva obviously are pushing things forward. Well, okay, your thoughts on that? <clears throat> yeah, it, it has to be because uh... – and in, in its truest form, a free agency, this is what you get. I mean, you you decide you don't you're okay where you're at. You'd accept the funds, the the contract that's that's offered to you, and you'll stay. If not, you move on. And it's always boils down to when you start in that conversation in that one phrase. People say it's not about the money. It's always about the money. When he gets offered, you take it. All these guys know they only got a certain amount of time playing sports. The right. second and third contract is what you're looking for. You get that first contract, you pretty much bound by by where you are uh, as far as when you come in, as whether you're getting drafted, not getting drafted, get invited to camp, gets you have to go overseas and get started and then come back. But that second and third contract, that's where you get your money at. And at some point, you're going to say, oh, okay, this is what I'm worth. I'm going to take that. And I'm going to move on. I'm going to shake hands, give you some dap, and I'm out the door. 
And hopefully, hopefully that happens during the summer. We don't have to move any kids or family out uh, out of school in the middle of the season. But you know, when it when it's all when you sign that that piece of paper. As a matter of fact, uh, when is the uh, signing date for these guys that start signing these contracts? Uh, Friday, July sixth. Well, we're gonna all find out who's gonna be bound and gonna sit down at the table and actually sign over the paperwork. Because now all of this is just speculation, uh, offers, and hopefully, hopefully, everybody's gonna sign their contracts now when when Friday gets here. You know, it, it already happened. That's why uh, the Rockets have announced Chris Paul has resigned. Oh, okay, okay. And, and Joe Green okay. resigned. So, uh, eleven o'clock Central Time, July sixth was roughly eleven o'clock. I think Central at noon Eastern, July sixth is when teams. And players could uh, begin signing contracts that they agreed to uh, a few days prior. So it's taking place, and we've touched on touched on this before uh, last year in podcasts, and people were complaining about. Uh, I guess two years ago when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, um, folks just seemed to not understand NBA history. <laughs> seventy years of seventy years of the league. Two teams have 33 champions, 34 championships. Celtics have 18, Lakers have 16. We want to go uh, the last 20 years. Bulls have six, Spurs have five. Lakers have, what, three? Mm-hmm. Pistons have uh, Miami, three. Miami has three. So go back 20 years, 19, well, I'm going back 30 years, but 20 years, you know, Spurs five, Bulls. You have twenty years, probably what four or five franchises have that many have that total championships. Warriors have three, of course, three of the last four. So, dynasties is part of the NBA. It's part of the NBA landscape. It's part of the NBA makeup. People love dynasties, either to lo- see them win, right, or to see them lose. That's it. So, all this gloom and doom of, about. I don't want, I'm not going to watch the NBA. I'm through with the NBA. I'm not going to watch it. Okay, that's you. But there's going to be a whole lot more folks who will watch the NBA and watch Steph Curry and watch the Warriors individually or the star players that are coming up in the league. And yes, with LeBron going, and we get to LeBron right now, with LeBron going to the Lakers, the majority of the NBA first, second, and third team is now in the West. But during the playoffs, all I heard was um, Jason Tatum is an up-and-coming star. What conference does he play? Plays in the East, right? Yes. Joel Embiid. What conference does he play? He plays in the East. He's in the East, right? Ben Simmons. What conference does he play? East. Yeah. The Greek Freak. What conference does he play? East. So, I I mean, it, it... it's like, folks, either you are just throwing stuff out there and not realizing what you're saying, or you're just trying to be contrarian. And because right. there's talent in the East that's up and coming. Obvious if you watch basketball. So, I, you know, all this gloom and doom and, and this, this uh, re receive playoffs and you got to fix this and fix that. And the East is the least in conference. And, you know, the West dominated the East for years. But once again, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. I mean, there is talent there, and it's young talent, the Greek freak. It's there. You got some draft picks now. Folks in love with Kevin Knox with the Knicks. East. So just watch the talent, and it also comes down to organizations and coaches. So, it, I just shake my head at this lazy discussion, and you don't see what's there, what talent is in the East, what talent is coming into the East. I mean, it's just like folks just forgot where Dwayne Wade but had been playing. True. You know, I mean, what are we talking True. about here? So, but let's talk about more and more days pass. It seems the reason 
the biggest reason LeBron chose the Lakers is um, family and business and and his respect and admiration for Magic Johnson. Yep. Free agency. Yeah. Wildcat touched on it. LeBron go where he want to go. He chose the Lakers. The reason he chose the Lakers, I think we, we just touched on those three points right there. He may not win this year. He doesn't. The Lakers on paper don't have a team of individual talent like the Rocks and the Warriors. They have signed and agreed, reached agreements and probably signed most of them. Veteran guys like a Rajon Rondo. Talk about Camelo joining LeBron. Uh, Lance Stevenson. Guys like that. JaVale McGee. So and he still has the young talent as well. We signed and Contavious Caldwell Pope. I I think I mentioned in, in a previous podcast. LeBron chose Lakers for those factors. And the folks say, well, LeBron doesn't the West is so dominant. We'll see how LeBron handles it not being in the East and lead a team to the finals for eight straight years. LeBron won't even get out of the West. He wanna get out of the second round now in the West. But don't you know? That kind of motivation to LeBron. LeBron beats the Warriors, leads the Lakers over the Warriors in the second round, in the semifinals. Yeah, it'd be an upset. But don't you know he would just, after after that Clemson victory press conference, well, I guess y'all were wrong. <laughs> Here I am. My team is, going, is moving on, and the Warriors are going home. Because that could happen. That ego. Superstar, that could happen. Chips to get them motivated to keep playing this game. LeBron been in the NBA 15 years. Won three championships, been in the finals numerous times. He needs those little motivational factors to, to keep him going, to uh, give him that drive to want to win and be the greatest to ever play. Yep, more than half the times he's been in the finals for his career. Exactly. So, you know... People just going to throw out different things. Am I saying the Lakers are better than the Rocks and the Warriors as of July 8th? No. No. I'm not. But once the season plays, playoffs come around, then we'll see. So that's why I enjoy the competition, and I enjoy seeing what happens on the floor. I'm going to watch the games. I'm not going to turn off the TV. I'm going to watch the game to see how they handle things. With LeBron being on the Lakers, a lot of the primetime games now are going to have a Pacific time zone starts so Lakers and Warriors are going to be on TV a lot so at the earliest it's probably going to be a 9 o'clock start and most likely 9.30 <laughs> for us so yeah they may be going to have some late nights so but it'll be fun yeah, yeah me and my be old coffee age, ready for you next morning yep going to be a problem you know the next day but I'm going to watch those games because I love basketball I do think it's fascinating when you think about uh, Urban Magnus Johnson obviously we celebrate him for the career he had on the court and then obviously his business acumen, what he's had after, off the court. And later we've seen him in terms of his different ownership roles, uh, the Dodgers, the soccer, professional soccer team in L.A. coming up. Uh, but now we see him again in the operational role in terms of uh, his management capacity. And he's able to get it done. Uh, obviously things worked out. In the fact, in a lot of ways, it looks like LeBron wanted the chance to be uh, in the West Coast. Um, but his ability to sit down and navigate uh, what LeBron was looking for and being able to tell him a lot of ways in terms of a mentorship role, I think it's fascinating to see that. Uh, particular people of color, African American, uh, when we see the landscape, the fact that they were able to come together in this agreement, I think there's a lot of things that we can learn and see about that. It will also be fascinating to see uh, can they do the culmination of getting a championship at some point. It would be fascinating to kind of watch uh, over the next couple of years. Obviously, he signed a four-year deal. And to see what LeBron is able to do off the court in terms of him building that uh, case in terms of uh, the first billionaire athlete and to have the level of success that he's had on the court uh, to some, maybe not as much as they think he should, but we just talked about being in the finals more than half time, getting three championships, MVPs, to be successful, 
uh, coming straight into the league. It's going to be kind of fascinating to see that final chapter and see where he takes off from that. But in a lot of ways, I'm I'm just excited, particularly from a business perspective. You know, as we love to talk about uh, the sport business perspective, as I talk to my students as we get ready for the second summer session and coming off of our study abroad, how we look at the different frames. Uh, we coming off of Bahamas and how much they love athletics NBA. We're literally we're sitting at a table 10 o'clock and we're in the Bahamas. We're talking about uh, how they were fascinated about the NBA and literally we're in full conversation and discourse and discussion talking about the NBA. And you can just imagine this going on across the world. So I think the NBA is healthy. It's going to be fascinating to see the storyline as we're not quite finished because we're going to get some more signing. We obviously hadn't got into the San Antonio piece about how that's going to play off, uh, play out. And what does that look like? As it looks like uh, that chapter may be closing uh, for at least a while until they have to rebuild. Uh, but a, a lot of storylines going into that. And, you know, real quick, uh, Tony Parker agreed to, to sign with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Kawhi Leonard, thing is, Kawhi Leonard thing is still to be determined. His people say he wants to play for the Lakers. Now they're saying the Clippers. And then a little bit they said, well, maybe the Celtics. I'm <laughs> all for players doing what's best for them. I do wish Kawhi would make some sort of public comment himself. He has let his family or his representatives steer the narrative so much that people have turned him into a villain and he hasn't said anything. Uh, that's a good, great point when you bring that up, Chris. And I think some of that, again, is just, again, the the lazy part of the media because we talk about his family or his people doing that and they're talking just like the media is talking and who's who's to say that he's actually telling them to talk I mean it's like any individual people can have their thought process of where they think he wants to go uh, but I think it would make sense if he would provide some statements and I think it would make it easy on us if he provides some statements because right now everybody's really guessing I yes. think that's what's frustrating people um, but I think it also is the thing that a lot of people are celebrated about quiet Leonard. and that's what's always interesting to me is people like the fact that he was quiet and went to work but now the fact that you want to know something and he's not saying something that frustrates you that he's quiet well he's the same person he's always been if you really think about it. he's quiet and just because we want to know, does it really make sense that he has to talk? Sure. Uh, from the from the standpoint, like you said, because we don't like that people don't talk to us and tell us we'll create the narrative because we're frustrated. Uh, but again, I think a lot of that is just because we can't control people and get what we want when we want. So then all of a sudden we get mad and we got to create the discord of saying, and suggesting why somebody's not talking instead of just saying, okay, let's keep digging. We'll find out when we find out. But outside of that, I think it's fascinating because, again, he's doing what he's always done. He's always quiet, meant to work. He pretty much told you he was frustrated with the organization. It was pretty simple to me. He didn't appreciate the way they treated him. Wildcat? Hey, I appreciate what he's doing more than anything because of the fact that what they were okay just like Doc said they were okay with it at first now they're all in the quandary why won't he speak why won't he say anything even when the team was was just, you know they would something well let me not let me go step back when folks were out and about talking about you know him not ready to come back him uh, Kawhi not, not coming back uh, the team saying that uh, according to our doctors, everything was okay. Well, only you know what's wrong with your body. You know when you you know when you're not feeling right. You know when your body's not right. And if you decide you're gonna sit, you're gonna sit. 
And if others want to question that, they can question it all they want to. But it's not my uh, it's, it's not my prerogative. If I want to tell you something, I don't tell you anything. You just have to sit over there and wait until I get ready to tell you something. And Kawhi may never say anything on what's going on. He may just say, "When I'm ready, when I move, I'm gone. <laughs> ain't gonna ain't gonna be no loving. Ain't gonna be no fist bump. Ain't gonna be no doubt. It's gonna be a, I'm at the door, and I'm gone. I'm gone to the next to the Next phase of my life, basketball. Yeah. Wise. You gonna show that's you. what it, that's what it's gonna boil down to. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. care. No, everybody can, can uh, on these TV, radios, whatever. They can scream and holler about it. you know what's wrong, why, whether that hither and yon. Only Kawhi is gonna make that decision, and when he's ready to go, he's gonna go. Now the one thing he's done, he's gathered up leverage. Because by him not saying anything, it's all up to the teams and all to say, okay, if, if you're gonna keep quiet, we're gonna we're gonna just put all this stuff out here and we're gonna force you to say anything. And the best thing in his favor right now is doing just what he's doing and what he's been doing, just like Doc said, sitting over there, going, you know, showing up to practice, showing up to go to work, and sit. We saw this happen with Isaiah Thomas, and everybody allotted him playing on the injury and how tough he was. And um, when it came to the interest of Boston Celtics, they traded Thomas and people questioned a little bit, but for the most part, people said Boston Celtics made a great move uh, to do what they did. And now looked at, okay, now he's trying to figure out uh, where he needs to go. It actually didn't work out at Cleveland Cavaliers and, now we're questioning uh, where this young man is in terms of his career moving forward uh, when he was playing at least at that time at an all-star level. So it sounds good when you talk about players should come back and play and question all this. But, uh, but you see in a lot of ways, even where we think that some of the best organizations, which most of us see and believe San Antonio Spurs are, but at the end of the day, you're still that commodity, and they're still going to look at the best interest of the organization, uh, and not always the player uh, in terms of what's best for them. And we talk about these great players, and most of them, to the credit, really understand their body, and everybody's body doesn't react to certain injuries certain ways. And so I think we need to think about that a little more than we often do. How can folks find you gentlemen on the internet? Doc, you first. Yes, you You can find me at uh, social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can catch me also every Tuesday from 545 to 7.15. On KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. Um, again, that's 545 to 715 every Tuesday as we do our weekly uh, HBCU sports show. That's Dr. Ville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab. You can catch it with streaming live on kcoh-tv.com. And you can also catch it at that Facebook address as we do a Facebook version of the streaming live show again every Tuesday from 545 to 715, and that is Central Standard Time. Walk up. You can find me online at uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck at J.L. Whitley 1, Jerry L. Whitley Jr., and on YouTube, Blogger, Blogspot, SoundCloud at AKSV, VCSR, The College Sports Report. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube and Instagram. On Twitter, my account is VHRReview. Our podcasts are available on uh, Stitcher now, Stitcher.com. That's a new place to check us out, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So a different ways to check out and listen to our podcast and listen and share the podcast with your friends 
my blogs, Mind and Hoops uh, basketball blogs, is available at HoustonRoundBarView.com. I also do uh, interviews that are posted now. I have podcasts on that as well. I have hopefully uh, two more Monday um, to post um, tomorrow. Listen for that. And things go well. I have uh, two women, female colleagues, uh, sharing their knowledge and insight with me in two separate separate interviews. So I'm looking forward to that. So go, go to the website for that. Those are also available as well on Stitcher.com and iTunes, etc. Our podcast, the KG Fifth Walk Hat and Dot Podcast, we got a Facebook page. Check that out. It's getting kind of naked there, folks. Y'all aren't uh, sending us your comments and your uh, criticisms or what you like, what you don't like. So don't be shy over there. Keep it uh, clean and respectful. Go to the Facebook page and share your thoughts with us um, at uh, the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. Let's shift gears and go into football. The well, before that, I do wanted to give this last plug uh, in terms of the NBA Summer League, and it ties in a little bit to the HBCU Sports Report, and then we can jump into some football. There are five uh, former HBCU players on the roster, and this is going to get into a little bit of the talent that was at Texas Southern over the last couple of years leading to the success they've had. But before we get that, we'll go to the Division Two ranks with Tyrus Walker, uh, SIAC Player of the Year uh, out of Morehouse, uh, is playing with the New York Knicks this summer as he tries to find a way to make the roster. But I thought that was interesting you want to know. Then a name familiar with some of the people over here with Texas Southern is Marlon Jones, a former Texas Southern big man, is on the New Orleans roster with the Pelicans as he spent a year playing in Greece. Uh, seven-footer, trying to show his skills and uh, make a roster over here. I had this young man for a class, uh, talented young man, as he tries to get it done. He played two seasons at Kent State and played a graduate year at Texas Southern University. Uh, also, people remember Zach Lofton uh, before he transferred uh, to New Mexico State as a graduate transfer this last year. He actually was playing for Texas Southern and player of the year. Uh, Zach Lofton uh, is on the summer league roster of the Detroit Pistons as he tries to make the team uh, SWAC 2017 SWAC Player of the Year, just like uh, Marvin Jones that played with him, the Defensive Player of the Year. And we have Philip Carr, uh, double double machine at the Morgan State, is on the Philadelphia 76ers summer league roster. Uh, he was the MEAC preseason Player of the Year just last season and finished with uh, averaging 13.7 points and 9.3 rebounds to give you some information there. Another Morgan State teammate of Philip Carr, obviously, Taiwan Henley, uh, who uh, worked out for the Washington Wizards before the NBA draft, uh, was not picked up there, but uh, he's trying uh, to make the roster as he is with the Washington trying to get it done with the summer league. So that's a couple of players to keep your eyes on for those HBCU uh, sports fans out there that are checking it out. So I thought that was interesting to make that connection there. And since you brought up TSU Hoops, uh, we haven't had a podcast since uh, Texas Southern announced Johnny Jones as new head coach of of men's basketball. Uh, I was surprised at the hire. He's a good man, good guy. I'm not sold that he's a great coach. He has a winning record, clearly. But I believe in his 16 seasons as head coach, he had one where he was interim midway through the season. So I'm not really going to count that one. So out of the 16 seasons as a head coach, he's led his team to the NTA tournament three times. That's just a fact. So let the listeners decide if that's a good thing with TSU or not. But uh, the press conference was good, except for the buzzing of the lights inside the H&P arena. That, uh, you, would, you could hear it clearly through all the interviews. You go to anybody's website or see it on TV. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was all about because that's – we've never had – at least I can. I can say this. I was out there pretty much every night, you know, all season. And never had a building sound like that ever. Somebody obviously uh, made mistakes and turned off the lights. 
before the press conference and turn them back on. And so that's what happens when those lights go off. Uh, they take a take some time to come back on, and that was attributing uh, that buzzer sound. So somebody uh, unfortunately made a mistake and turned those lights off. But I was in here, as you all know, I was in some kids and neither. But my experience of being uh, in the HMP arena, that, that's what has happened before when I noticed the buzzing thing. Well, what are your thoughts on Johnny Jones as TSU coach? Uh, I, I was looking in a different direction. I think it's very solid high um, in, in a lot of ways. I think they wanted to go in the direction with a little more stability in terms of uh, uh, getting freshmen and not so many transfers. They'll still get some of that. In fact, uh, Johnny Jones is bringing over a graduate transfer from LSU uh, that he coached two years ago before he was at UNLV. And so they'll still Nevada. do some of that. Nevada, not UNLV, Nevada. I mean, excuse me, Nevada. Appreciate it. Um, but I think they wanted to look at the APR, uh, so they wanted to get a little stronger in terms of getting more high school players and developing that. Obviously, known for what he can do on the recruiting trail, so we get a chance to see uh, if he can get it done at the Southern University in terms of getting some recruits, particularly maybe getting more from the area to stay around. Obviously, we've heard that before with U of H, so there might be some uh, uh, battles there going on with some players at least. But it'll be interesting. Obviously, he has a lot to live up to. In terms of the success we've seen with Texas Southern, hadn't been done literally since the 50s. And this is a basketball program that has won a national championship in 1977 under Coach Moreland. They made quite a few NCAA trips under various coaches uh, during this time. So the fact that you hadn't seen the type of run you've seen under Mike Davis with those five championships uh, since the legendary coach did it in the 50s, uh, It'd be interesting to see if he can get that kind of run. But when you talk about Dr. Charles McCullen, his success record in terms of what he's done with his coaches, particularly basketball, uh, men's and women's, he's been able to pull a little bit of that magic out of his hat. So we'll get a chance to see if he, is he able to do it again. So in a lot of ways, as I always say, this is a great opportunity, and we'll get a chance to really watch it go down. But I would agree, uh, Chris, in a lot of ways, there were a couple other coaches, as we know, some of those that had interest in that if we were making a tie, we probably would have went and nod in a different direction, but obviously we're not. So uh, I'm going to be intrigued to watching what takes place here, and we'll give you that weekly updates like we do to let you know the ups and downs throughout the season and throughout his tenure. And one of the things well, he did say real quick, Wildcat, you, you can jump right in after this is he did say that he will schedule differently non-conference and have some games, non-conference games at home at HMP before conference play begins so the fans can see the, the, the team play at home before SWAC play begins. So that was a definite thing that I found interesting, and I know the people that were there liked hearing that, and the folks that right. liked when I tweeted it, they enjoyed that as well. So go ahead, Wildcat. Well, I had a chance to talk to Dr. McClellan one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Uh, I asked him a few questions now to get some clarity as far as, you know, was the job hot? You know, was it cold? Was it lukewarm? How much interest was in it? Uh, he started out with, he told me that they had, uh, they topped out at between 75 and 80 applications came in, phone calls. Uh, he had uh, at least one or two people that when they they contacted him, he went to contact them back and never heard from them again. Uh, and they went from that from the from the big number seventy five to eighty down to around eleven, and then they set about at that point of reach of uh, sitting. How, uh, going in the direction that Doc had mentioned, one, stability, two, familiarity with the state of Texas and the SWAC itself, uh, and then three, 
what kind of record they had over a long period of time at the longest point in their career as far as uh, being out of, out of school, whether it was Division One, because uh, he said he had to, it, it went back and forth from the pros down to even some JUCO folks that had contacted. You know, right? I guess they, you know, it's interesting when you when you look at where TSU used to be and where it is now. It's it's totally different because the objective of where they've been that raises the level of where you go and and, and looking for a coach to replace the person that just left. So you may get a, a, uh, a return call, but it may be a salutary more than, okay, what are you capable of bringing to the table? Right. And you have to, you have to look at it as such. Well, once another, it, another point you're making there, Willie, you're bringing up some excellent point. A fourth component was they actually wanted somebody with coaching experience. So you had a lot of strong candidates that were assistant coaches, but uh, because they never did it before, they they really didn't get a strong right uh, right in regards to the fact that they thought they were in a position, and that's Texas Southern University administrators that wanted a coach that had the experience, which started as you said, really whittling down that list quite quickly. When you're talking about eighty down at ten, eleven, a lot of that was due to the fact that you wanted somebody that actually had held a head job before. And not some of these top assistants that are looking to break through, uh, which is always fascinating. You know, and then once they got down to, you know, just stabilizing what what they wanted to do, um, he and he mentioned in the in the open forum um, that you know, there was only one person that they brought in, and that was Johnny. And that's what they talked to on a one on one basis as far as the group. Uh, that was making a decision, and they were satisfied with what they what they saw and what they heard from him. Uh, they asked him some questions, you know, about uh, rebuilding the program, stabilizing, and coming into a situation where guys pretty much said, you know, uh, you already have graduation by attrition, then you have to graduate transfers and all the guys that transfer out just because of the system is changing, and then you have some guys you got to hold on to and stay. The other thing too. Uh, that he mentioned, and which is that they didn't have a whole lot of time, basically because it was during the summer, and it was during the dead period. But the live period just started, I think, what last week, yeah. as far as recruiting. So they had to go and make a make a decision real fast, because you had to bring that person in, get paperwork all done, and you didn't need them having to do a lot of NC two A stuff because. Some of these coaches get hired, especially assistants, and they hadn't done paperwork as far as moving in that first seat and taking those uh, uh, those uh, coaching tests. The, the uh, NC2A nowadays, when they when coaches get hired, they have to take a test on the rules and regulations before they can step out during the summer, just like they they test uh, a student when you're trying to get into school. So they had to be have all that stuff that taken care of before the person would uh, could come in and, and even talk to uh, the uh, committee. Now, Charles didn't get uh, Dr. McClellan didn't get into you know who all, who was all on the committee, but he did say it, it went across all forms as possible, you know, alumni, uh, administration, and. Uh, Players, uh, some, he said some players were involved. He just didn't, he didn't say who, but uh, <laughs> don't laugh, Doc, because I remember when uh, Coach Bailiff got hired at uh, at Rice uh, to replace uh, Todd Graham. There were definitely football players involved in in the in the uh, in the uh, in the decision making, just because of the fact that the president of the university and the athletic director basically said they've got a say in because we don't need to be losing nobody right? just because, just because they wasn't involved and now you got kids that's kind of going to play out the stream and that's going to mess up the chemistry now back during you know from years ago 
when a new coach came in, you couldn't run. You know, you couldn't run nobody off. You had to hold on to them. Now, folks can transfer and move just because of changes. And you're trying to keep changes down to a minimum, especially where players are concerned. Especially so, coming into this year with the NCAA changing the rules that players can transfer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, and then I, when I when I talked to Dr. McClellan about familiarity with the swag, uh, and he mentioned also in the open forum, of uh, Johnny's connection and uh, with uh, Ben Job down at Southern, which said a lot, but it also mentioned it said that he wasn't deaf, dumb, and blind to you know to the swag as a as a whole. And the question I asked him was, uh, was I asked uh, Coach Jones was, how do you move into the swag and keep things keep the train running? He said, you know, we're going to find out. He said, they're going to find out about me, and I'm going to find out about them. Because looking from an outside in, you're looking at it from a distance. When you step out on the side, when you stand up on that sideline and start giving them direction, he said, that's a whole nother animal. Then folks don't find it out until they have to call a timeout. He said, and out of his mouth was, we'll see. And I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, KJ, if you correct me, they had what five scholarships available, or, or seven? There were seven players there. Coach Jones told us that he has about four or five spots to fill. So it'll be interesting how that happens, and, that, and whether we happen before school starts or after school starts. And uh, I got only one other thing, and this stays with, and this comes with the with the summer league recruiting period. I don't know if anybody has gotten a violent, violent summer league brawl between a, a team and referees involved in a tournament in Emerson, Georgia. I don't know where Emerson is, but apparently it's, it's close from what I, I from what I've been told is between it's near between Atlanta and Augusta, somewhere along that that in that area. But uh, if you if you all need to see what you don't want to see in a game on a high school level, kids attacking a uh, adults and adults fighting back at kids on the floor and the process getting out of hand to the point to where there was no security involved whatsoever in the building when all this went down, which I thought was a travesty. Uh, but I will tell you this much. If the AAU is supposed to do that, it's going to do that job and resolve this. The team involved should be banned from the rest of the summer. They should be be forced out, you know. No, if whatever fees they've paid in, they've lost them, and the team should be banned from the rest of the summer play. Should be sent home and to wherever they the hundred mile radius or whatever, and be done with it. It was my only. It, my only objection to that would be after a full time review to make sure that they. Well, Doc, it's kind of it's, it's it's all it's, it's, there's two. Well, I, videos. I saw the I saw the video and it looks doesn't look good, but I still think uh, that you still have to have an investigation of what took place before you start talking about uh, what are you going to do with the team. Well, I, I just think that's the proper way that you do stuff that you investigate. Then, based on your report, you make a decision. The police department has launched an investigation. Yeah, and I think the that's one thing. I think that's the legal side. So obviously, they have to do on that side. But I'm talking about just as you said, from an AEU perspective, uh, I think that organization has to do their own investigation, and then to determine based on that investigation, determine how they want to move forward. I think just 
from watching a video, no matter how ugly it is, and reading reports. Um, I think that's a dangerous precedent when you just go off of that. And because you're so concerned about a brand and the image uh, that you cut loose and start deciding how you're going to deal with the team in terms of moving forward. Uh, I just generally think always that you need to have your investigation. I know, again, we get in, in terms of the rest of judgment, and we are so ready to mediate this course. It certainly is important, and I think you can do a investigation quickly enough to make sure that uh, that whatever needs to be done, and it may be ultimately, that, as you said, that the team is banished uh, from the summer, and I don't think that would be overreacting. But I do want to be careful that we need to make sure that we have uh, a full investigation of what took place before we start to mediate. Well, this is the reason I said that is because I've been involved in the summer leagues and all for for a pretty good while, and this is what this is not the first time this this uh, a situation like this has happened, both in uh, AAU and BCI. Uh, for whatever reason, situation happened, uh, but from me looking at it and having experience and had to make a decision uh, on a committee once it transpired, it wouldn't be a precedent. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time it's happened, and a precedent. Right, and I'm before. not saying that you, your recommendation to what should happen to the team is not a good recommendation. Uh, all, only thing I'm saying is, is that you must have due process. I mean, I know that what what is going on in this country in a lot of ways, we are starting to quickly go past that. But I, I think. If we're going to continue to be a democratic type of society, that you must go through a process. The process can be quick if necessary because of everything else, <laughs> but you must go through a process. I'm laughing at you said, you said the one th- you said the one word I was waiting on that quickly, right, quickly, which is which is fine, but I, I don't I don't think it be should be so quick. Uh, that you don't go through an investigation to see what take happen again. You watch a video, you read a report, what have you. That should not be end all and be all. Uh, we've seen in a lot of different ways where individuals' lives are literally changed uh, because we're so quick to have rushing judgment. And we find out later that everything wasn't what we originally thought it was because we got part and parcels of different information. So we got to go through a process. And ESPN.com's Myra Metcalf, his article says that according to the organizers that uh, there was security at the tournament. Didn't see anybody in the video. And that's, and that's probably, that, that goes, that part does go back to what Doc said. Um, I was there and all I have is what I'm seeing in front of me. And, and there was no secured, no armed security nowhere to be seen in the uh, in the gym. Right. Said, well, but, but, but you also don't know you also don't know how much what that video was you saw. How much happened before that video, the camera started rolling. You don't know what angle that was taken from. There's a whole lot of stuff that we don't know. So for us to really make assumptions, we should not do that. Let that let uh, the yeah. investigation run its course and then we'll go from there. Mm. Mm. Nothing. This is America until certain people continue to get their way. This is America. <laughs> exactly. Uh, An 84-second uh, clip on, on ESPN.com, I'm quite certain it's not the only available footage that of this. Oh, incident. no. I, that, 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 that's, that's, that's a fact. It's definitely 84-second. That's a fact. Then, you, then there's other angles that everybody needs to look at that we don't have access to so let them do their job do it correctly and efficiently and then we'll go from there because the team that was involved the two teams one team was from the chicago chicago's raw athletics was involved against a team from this town houston Rapids. so the the chicago squad was the one that got involved and was throwing the punches allegedly and because they were 
got frustrated, you know, whatever, whatever reason you want to justify the actions that apparently took place. But they were losing yep. the game to the Raptors, and then toward the end of the game, stuff hit the fan. So let the, yep. let the people, people do their job and investigate it and, and go from there because I, I feel quite certain that a certain colleague that we have here in town will get to the bottom of it before a lot of us and other people involved, and he'll have more information on it than anybody. And that's Jim Hicks. So I'm not going to sit here and speculate on anything else except I know that Hicks will find out before most of us will. So that's, yeah. what, that's what I'm going to leave it at right there. Okay. All right. And the last thing I had that I wanted to make sure I get out there from HBCU, as I said, I'll be going to the media day this Friday, July 13th. Uh, you can watch it on the SWAC Digital Network, Central Time at 10 a.m. Uh, you can go to SWAC.org to get that broadcast. They have a couple of new coaches coming in the league, but I'll give the coaches that are coming back. Uh, you have players that will be represented, but for the sake of time, you can go to SWAC.org. Uh, football, and you can get the players that will be there. You have one offensive, one defensive player for most teams. Um, but the coaches that are returning that will be looking to make moves this year, uh, Dawson Oldham from Southern, Roderick Fogg, Grandma State continues to dominate, and we'll look to see if they can continue to hold the trophy and represent for the Celebration Bowl in December. You have also, in terms of Michael Haywood, Texas Southern University, uh, right here returning. Fred McNair from Alcorn State continues to push forward. And Jackson State, Tony Hughes, he's coming up on the final year of his contract. So he has to get over the hump. But you have new coaches at the helm. I'll start out with Alabama State, where the interim tag was taken off of Donald Hill Ely as he comes back and looks – to get the Hornets moving forward. He's excited about thus far what he brings in. And then you have uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff new coach Cedric Thomas coming in for the Golden Lions. Alabama A&M, Connell Mania comes over from Hampton uh, as he will start off the year for the Bulldogs uh, as the new coach there. And Mississippi Valley State. Delta Devils bring, brings in Vincent Dancy uh, as he starts to see what he can do to the Delta Devils as uh, they are looking to move forward. Then right here, Prairie a on the hill, you got Eric Dooley coming over from Gremlin, offensive coordinator as he takes over. Uh, one of the few coaches that has a quarterback coming back as we have senior-laden quarterbacks from Southern, Alcorn State, Gremlin, that have left, so it'll be interesting to see whether that gives Prairie View and them Panthers any uh, heads up. And we'll get an update in terms of who's picked to come out of the West, who's picked to come out of the East. For a lot of people, they're going to go chop with Grambling uh, to do it out of the West and probably Alcorn State to continue to be picked in the East. Not much change in there, but I'm excited about uh, getting kicked off with the football and swag this Friday. Doc, I got a question to ask you. Is this is it, when they is it a uh, open forum type uh, event? Uh, is it telecall or they do one on ones? You know, it's for what uh, because I saw what the time was from uh, nine to one or nine to two. I think that's what it was. Right. From the email that I got. No, not an open catacall. They have it set up uh, different stations. Uh, you'll have uh, introduction at the very beginning where they'll. Uh, give some general face talk from each coach, uh, open it up, just general dialogue. Uh, and then they'll break out into sessions, and they have basically uh, three media sessions, four. They have them at the general tables with their players. Uh, you can come over and interview the coaches and the players during that time. And then they'll have a round table where they'll rotate the coaches uh, into the radio slot so the radio people can get their interview and then they move into another room where they have video shots where the video and uh, television news crews can get their interview and so they kind of rotate in and out uh, throughout that uh, time session that you talked about. All right. And I, was, and I guess once again, I'll, I'll see you on Friday. Uh, 
in Birmingham for the SWAC. Then on next Wednesday and Thursday, I'll be in uh, Frisco at the uh, the Star uh, Ford Center for the uh, for Conference USA. And then the following week, uh, the following Monday and Tuesday, I'll be at Newport, Rhode Island for the American. It'll be football media days three weeks in a row, and it'll be vacation time, but uh, it's here. It'll, also be, it'll all be work. And as they say, August 1st, everybody will be knocking, knocking passes for the upcoming season. And we're going to wrap it up. A real quick note, the Chronicles, uh, Jonathan Fagan uh, tweeted that Rob Gray sprained his ankle Thursday, so that's why he's been limited in uh, he didn't play Friday and was only played 10 minutes today in, in Sunday's game, so the Rockets trying to ease him back into the playing rotation. It's a tough break for him, and you know you're trying to make a good impression and you right. get injured, so we'll see if, if uh, the injury, if the staff saw enough in the practices before they left for Vegas enough to bring him back for the fall training camp. So uh, good luck to uh, Rob Gray. And one more time, fellas, uh, Wildcat, this time you go first. How can folks find you on the Internet? Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., SoundCloud, Blogger, Blogspot, YouTube, AKSV, DCSR, The College Sports Report. Doc, how can folks find you? Yes, you can find me on the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Docs Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, you can catch us every Tuesday and Thursday from 545 to 715 on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. Uh, as we do our show, Dr. Viz, inside HBC Sports Lab. You can also catch it on www.caseways-tv.com just watch it live in terms of streaming as we also do Facebook live doing that broadcast show as well and that's at Dr. Kenyatta Camille D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L and I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review HoustonRoundBallReview.com go to the men's and hoops basketball blogs via the website HoustonRoundBarReview.com and, and check out the information there. YouTube channel is Houston Round Bar Review. Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. Twitter, I'm V H R Review. That's T-H-E-H-R-R-E-V-I-E-W. Our KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Podcasts are available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Stitcher.com. Go to our Facebook page, KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc on Facebook. Check us out. Leave your comments, uh, criticisms, things you like, don't like, whatever. Just keep respectful and clean on the Facebook page. Going to wrap it up, gentlemen, as always. Thank you for your time, your knowledge, and your insight. Going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.